Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Maybe Next Year. Scott, are you here? Uh, I think I am now. Now you are. Yes, it, yours is interesting because it waits for you to say something. It's the podcast that isn't all here until we're all here. Uh, my name is Frank, and you've heard from Scott. Oh, so anybody else here? <laughs> um, Paul? Yeah, yeah right, Paul's Paul. here. Yep. All right, good. Um, new adventures in hi-fi. What can I say? Uh, we continue to record podcasts from within um, the biosphere known as Earth. Uh, we subject them to rigorous uh, scrutiny and, and research and, of course, focus entirely on the Buffalo Bills football team, American football team. Um, we are happy to report that the Buffalo Bills won a football game on Saturday of last week. Uh, they won by the score of hell of an intro, Frank. Yes, it's just uh, we're rambling along, man. Uh, it's 35 to 13. Uh, that's the final score for you. And uh, we're going to take calls now. Oh, no, we can't take calls. Let me just keep saying weird shit. I don't know what's in my – got into me, guys. Um, okay. <laughs> it just uh, – look, the Bills won 35 to 13. They beat the hapless Chicago Bears who, um, despite leading 10 nothing or 10-6 at the half, um, absolutely – did almost as nothing, as little as the Miami Dolphins in the second half. They did slightly more, but the Bills poured it on, uh, outscoring the Bears 29-3. to And uh, it was – I don't know if it was, like, exactly touch and go uh, at the at, at the uh, at the half, but it was certainly, like, gross and a little concerning. And then they just sort of were the Bills, which was good. Um, you know, Josh Allen with a mixed sort of um, – stat line there was a a bevy of rushing yards there was a truly deadly snowstorm that disrupted just about everything and frigid cold temperatures in chicago um and uh, also a bill's victory to set them up for the final two weeks of the season against the Bengals and the patriots which we will get to but of course we must start with this game and I have shown that it's no use for me to talk much longer. So I'm going to put myself on mute. And we're going to go to Scott first. Scott, reporting live from the UK once again. Pip, uh, pip, cheerio, sir. Can you give us your your uh, thoughts on the game? All right, Gabda. Um, so, yeah, no, this was um, – it's, 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 it's an interesting game. Um, a really sloppy – I'll say sloppy performance. I mean – you can put some of that on the cold and the elements, and, and I'm fine with that. Um, I will note to people that if the Bills get home field advantage as intended, um, they will be playing outside in the cold in the elements for most of January. Um, so that's not something that necessarily goes away or gets better, um, though admittedly, whether it's going to be you know 11 degrees below zero uh, wind chill, um, you know, not, probably not the case. But um, I think at the same time, uh, so there's so the sloppiness is is concerning, um, and we've seen that in previous games as well. Like we've seen them take a quarter off, a half off. In this game, it almost seemed like, I don't know, I don't want to say like they took three quarters off, but it was almost two and a half. Like because because I mean the defense was the defense for the most part did its job, um, other than really the first drive, um, which was to be expected with an offense as 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 uh, horrifically bad as Chicago's. Um, yeah with only really one one playmaker being Justin Fields, um, who the Bills clearly game planned for and then kind of said, well, let Ty Montgomery beat us. And beyond the first drive, he really was not able to. Um, the offense... David Montgomery. Sorry, David Montgomery. 
Ty um, Montgomery, different guy. All right. Yeah, other Montgomery. The, the, the Montgomery brothers. Of the league. Um, that would have been, you know, that so, would have been the best game plan is if they had forced Ty Montgomery to beat them, given that he doesn't play for the Bears. Doesn't play for I the Bears. I don't know really yeah, if exactly, they could have done anything. Yeah. But. If they, if they schemed, schemed that well enough that no one on the Bears currently <laughs> on the team could have beat them. This game um, plan also worked, as it turned out. <laughs> Yeah, um, but uh, notwithstanding the Montgomery connection, um, the offense definitely seemed like it, uh, you know, a lot of, lot of turnovers. Um, I get it. It's cold, but it shouldn't really affect, like, your brain. I mean, it, it can affect your brain. Like, that, that is a thing. Like, the, you're, the cold will affect your brain, and it will uh, affect your decision-making. I, I hope that's what Josh, what we can blame that first uh, Josh interception on, where he's throwing to a double-covered Isaiah McKenzie on a, a corner route in the end zone, uh, like, you know, as well as, like, two or three other passes. You know, yes, has has he scored touchdowns? Has he scored touchdowns on, um, you know, throwing against his body as he's about to go out of bounds? Yes. Is that likely to happen every time? No. Is it a good idea to not just throw, like, down, like, throw as you're going out of bounds to your side of the field, but to throw all the way over to the other side of the field, like that seems like that's really pushing it. And that almost costs an interception too. So um, not just interceptions, but also interception worthy balls from Allen. And just again, kind of contributed to the sloppiness and offense. Yes. I'm super glad to see um, the, the, um, the running backs um, play well um, in the group chat before the game. I had suggested that we had suggested that, well, Singletary would need to have like Singletary had like 200 yards um, maybe the Bills would win by a ton, and he didn't. But him and James Cook had 200 yards, which uh, I suggested that would only happen if the Bears' defense was replaced by the Micro Bears, um, from uh, not who are even smaller than the Mini Bears, as those would re- would recall from the uh, the Super Bears Bears SNL segment. Uh, segment. Bears, but it was nice to see the offensive the line block it recently. Yeah. Um, and then I will end by saying this: as much as I have, like I'm. Mr. Downer and ragged on, you know, the Bills obviously a fair bit, and especially the offense in this in this little segment. I will also say, um, you know, the Bears are not. I don't want to say they're the Jets, but they're a team that's still trying and still playing. And they they played. Uh, they were very game against the the Eagles the week before. Um, just as a reminder for those who were not doing the pregame scouting, the then uh, probably eleven and one Eagles, um, or maybe twelve and one. Uh, went to Chicago and only won 25 to 20. Um, they got up 10-6 at the half. Um, they ended up getting up to 17-6, but then Chicago comes back to score a touchdown. And really until uh, only about five minutes left to go in the game, was it a was it a was uh, anything more than a, a four-point game? Um, that's when Philadelphia scored uh, on a 75-yard drive um, in kind of the, the dying minutes. And then Chicago still comes back and scores another touchdown after that. So it's not like um, this this Chicago team can't um, pose challenges for teams. So I think that speaks well for how the Bills are doing in the sense that if one were to kind of hypothesize about future opponents, if at some point the Bills play the Eagles, this would be an interesting kind of common opponent matchup to look back at and say that, yes, the, the Bills you know, had some sloppiness and, and did not um, play as well as they could. But at the same time, um, the the Eagles had much the same problems with two interceptions from Hertz, um, having to rely a lot on his running, if I recall in this game, 
And I think that that um, that would speak well to the Bills in any kind of matchup with the Eagles. But that's it for me. All right. Um, go ahead, Paul. Yeah, I was going to say, we got a mini Bills-Eagles potential Super Bowl preview there uh, from Scott. Yeah, I think one thing that, that Frank said, which I made note of, he said, he know that the Bills were never really under threat in that game. And I would agree, but to me it was analogous, like, okay, your mortal enemy is lying there in a coma, and you just keep handing him a machete. Like, you know, <laughs> he's he's unlikely to wake up, you know, at that moment uh, or any of the moments you, in which you keep handing him machetes. But there is a bit mild bit of a risk. Uh, thankfully for the Bills, the their mortal enemy of the Bears did not, in fact, wake from their coma. And yeah, it's, it's Scott was talking about how the they kept letting the Eagles back. Or the Eagles kept letting the Bears back in the game. The Bills never truly did let the Bears back in this game. It was always a two score game pretty much, I think, through most of the second half. Uh, I, I will say I did pick the Bills to win 24 to 22, which I felt was spiritually close. But Scott actually picked them to win 31 to 13, so he was actually close. Right. The <laughs> Bills. I know this when we were chatting during the game. The defense seems to have one hideous drive per game, where it's not like they're out executed and it's just like, boy, there's a lot of town on the other side. It's you know they're completely out of their lanes. They are miscommunicating on third and goals from the five and leaving guys wide open in this specific yep. instance. They seem to be over pursuing in certain instances. It's, it's that they fundamentally turn into a disastrous defense. And the Bills seem to have that again this week. And it was the very first drive where it looked like they, they could not stop the Bears if they, as hard as the Bears were at points trying to stop themselves, the, the Bills just could not stop them. And then the rest of the game, they, they pretty much shut them down completely. They were, you know, Frank had said during the game, and, and I, and not a, a derogatory or put down way, but this, this kind of pretty much does it for Josh Allen in the MVP discussion because, you know, he had one of those games again where he's he's turned over the ball unnecessarily, and you look at the Green Bay game and the first Jets game, the Minnesota game, and a part of a good portion of the Lions game. That's wholly a third of the season where he's not been MVP level. In fact, where he's been subpar, but that's fine. There's still no one else I would rather take it QB. Maybe Patrick Mahomes, but literally that is that is the maybe, and that is one name. So, you know, I thought Fucking he blasphemy. Fucking blasphemy to say that on this podcast, sir. <laughs> Just kidding. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, but yeah, yeah, he's still the t the guy one quarterback in the team that I follow. So he had a rough game. Scott talked about how good the the rushing offense was. I think you played people like Roger Saffold's strengths, who looked like a capable offensive lineman for the first time all season because they didn't have to pass. Uh, as much as they did uh, good job shutting down fields uh, you know a lot of what I read said they had kind of a bubble strategy where they just kept him from getting outside and then Matt Milano was essentially shadowing him at points and that's the guy you want to shadow someone I have a feeling that's gonna be copied by other teams you know yeah you you want some more smoothness on offense you it's nice to see Dawson Knox stepping up I wish guys like you know Isaiah McKenzie and Gabe Davis would would take some cues and start doing a little bit more they did a good job shutting down Stephon Diggs, uh, the Bears did, but I don't think that's going to be a permanent sort of thing. I think it's just the way the game played out. You know, not pretty uh, all in all. Uh, Scott noted that, you know, it's going to be there. If they get the home field manager, going to have to play in some cold weather outdoors. I will note that if they don't get it, they'll be playing in Kansas City and Cincinnati, which are not exactly tropical climates come January. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you're going to have to play outdoors anyway, might as well do it uh, on the home turf. So. Is sucky a 35 to 13 win as you will ever see? 
but it's a 35 to 13 win and now the fun starts i want to point out a few things about allen and the mvp just because you brought it up there kind of at the end he's having a better year than last year i oh yeah it's, it's it's hard to explain but like He's, like, going to end up closer to 2020 than he is 2021. He He's going to be right in, like, kind of the mix of those last two years, which are both excellent years. And so, you know, to play down, I okay, sure. I mean, he still only has thrown – I don't know. I, I mean, I think about the days of Marino and Kelly, and, like, 13 interceptions is, is like – a pittance compared mm-hmm. to what those guys used to they, they showed that stat about mm-hmm. how he had passed Marino um, yardage wise and, and touchdowns in his first five seasons. And I think even if you adjust for the extra game, he might've played in between um, it still works out, but like he's thrown, we think of Allen as interception prone and he's thrown 59 interceptions in his career. And by this point, you know, Marino had thrown almost 80. Uh, so, there's some perspective that needs to be, you know, he's 110, whatever. I, I'm not going to go through all of his stuff. I'm just going to say, like, when you when you look at 2020, 21, and 2022, he's he's going to end up ahead of the curve from last year, and he's going to end up much closer to 2020, um, I th- which is which is great because I think we all thought 2020 was a fairly miraculous level of se- season because of the two previous seasons he had come out of, but you know. If, if he he seems to fit comfortably in this um, in this bucket, and if this is the bucket where he's going to have a couple of slow games a year and he's going to be near the top of MVP voting, then he'll get one eventually. It, like if he keeps doing this, eventually someone the other team the other guys will 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 trade out of those spots and he'll get his turn to win the MVP because he he's going to be in this conversation constantly. Um, the other um, thing that I, I felt like was I wanted to say most not that Paul said anything wrong, but you brought up the points I want to react to. You know, mm-hmm. I'm I always say, especially in the group chat, never overreact to the first drive. That is the drive that the the team is most prepared to execute on both ends of the football. And the scripted so, drive, as it's right, called. the yes. scripted drive. It's the one that is meant to take advantage of of as much as possible. And then it's really about how you adjust at halftime. And after that first drive, and certainly the defense, absolutely, you know, they owned it. They, they just, there was no real, there was a couple of weird bonehead things and Damar Hamlin, like, like may executed bonehead plays. But again, if you're, if you've given up 13 points, then you've done an excellent job on defense. Basically, you know, you've given up one touchdown and, and, a, and two field goals, you know, the bills need to win that game every time. And they, and they did this time. Um, and and the same with the turnovers. I mean, one of them was definitely Allen. You know, Scott rightly points out that it was more than just the two bad throws that he made. Um, but there was some there was some wind issue. He said that the second interception was definitely a wind issue where the nose of the ball didn't get down and it sailed. And um, that's an execution thing. And then the first one was definitely more of a I kind of you know did not read that coverage right and I got caught and I can't have that kind of touch like the. The one touchdown you'll live with, um, and the other one is is you got to kind of like, you know, you got to learn from, um, and you know, I I reiterate that despite the fact that it's mostly Josh Allen, um, or as much Josh Allen as anybody else is what I should say, the Bills actually have a really good rushing attack. It's just not traditional, and 
in this instance, it was the two running backs more than the quarterback. <laughs> um, but, you know, th- th- that's they've been able to run the football in a way that they, they weren't able to previously. It's a very different thing. But when we get to the Bengals preview, it's going to be a little surprising who has the better rushing attack and actually who has the more productive running back because it's not Joe Mixon. So we're just going to leave that there for now. Um, you know, I, I thought that definitely there was like Naheem Hines. It was all those like little parts of the game that kind of like frustrate you in the first half, right? Like Naeem Hines has been very good, but he absolutely just misread a kickoff and, and something else, you know, it was just like that kind of day where little things were kind of everywhere weird. Um, Cole Beasley also, I mean, he was on the field for six snaps. I guess that's pretty good for somebody who's been only on the team again for two weeks, but I was expecting a bit more out of him um eventually maybe this week against Cincinnati it's finally it's finally go time uh and the only other thing I would say is you know again not really getting home on quarterbacks that's you know that said you know the the game plan for fields might have been um keep him in the box and contain because we're going to have a spy on him and we just don't want him to start creating um he doesn't have weapons to get to so as long as you keep him in 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 this parameter it's good, but they're going to have to get home. They're going to have to get home, and it's going to be a huge test this week against the Bengals because that's a guy you definitely have to get home against is Joe Burrow. His entire game plan is stay in the pocket and pick you apart, and he's really good at it. Um, so we'll have to talk more about that later. But, you know, again, we had a lot of <laughs> we had a lot of shitty talk about this game uh, for a 35-13 to victory in which – Two running backs essentially had 100 yards rushing, and and we've been wanting on on 11 and 12 carries, no less. And the only reason James Cook, James Cook didn't go over 100 yards was it was time to it was time to end the game, and <laughs> and they they threw for it on fourth and two, and and scored a touchdown instead of instead of like letting him you know run for the first down, and uh, and they they know. weren't even trying to score a touchdown. You can see Dawson Knox tried to slide before he got to the end zone, but yeah. alas. A touchdown Alas. have, but that gave us a chance to see Nathan Peterman again. I was so going to say to get the the Nathan Peterman interception, three for five for twenty five yards and an interception, so and so um, which know, is known is, as the Peterman line. I that believe. is the circle of life, if <laughs> yes. you will, my friend, um, right there. But uh, also in our in the circle of podcast, it is now time for three stars uh, presented by Scott. I would be surprised if any if any Bears made it to this list, um, but I would like to say. I didn't hate Justin Fields. I feel like the Bears need to do give him more. And they're like eating $80 million of dead cap this year. So I'm hopeful that the plan for the Bears, who we won't see for a couple more years, uh, is to build around him. Because he didn't look like – he just looked like a guy who was exhausted of being on a terrible team. <laughs> so anyway. If there is a bear on this list, I'm okay with Grizzly. I just want to come out and say that. Right. Black bear. Or Black bear's bear. good. Uh, <laughs> Grizzly Bears makes makes the makes your honorable mention. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Take yes, that, I, Salmon. I give, uh, D- David Montgomery. Okay. <laughs> David Montgomery makes your your honorable mentions, but not your not your uh, not your official three stars. A, a workmanlike effort from him. And yes, I think Fields had had. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, he is not at the point where he can put a team on his back and win with you know kind of sheer force of talent. Um, I'm not sure he'll ever be that guy, but he certainly has the has the potential to be better 
with a better supporting cast. It's just he, he, he's not there at his development to take uh, a less than stellar supporting cast and get them to a kind of Josh Allen, you know, 2019 or 2020, whatever, 2019 season where, you know, he plays mediocre, he plays kind of wacky and fun and gets a mediocre team kind of on the edge of the playoffs. Um, obviously, the Chicago are still struggling in 2012, but um, onto your, your actual two stars. Um, your third star, I will give it to um, to uh, Devin Singletary, 12 carries for 106 yards and a touchdown, as well as two catches for 19 yards. Um, and your second star goes to James Cook, 11 carries for 99 yards and a touchdown, um, as well as one catch for nine yards. And people may ask, why is James Cook getting the um, getting the second star and Devin's getting the first? And the answer would be was because I like James Cook better. Yeah, it's gonna say first and most important. A little discriminatory there. Um, I, think, I think he's I think he's a better player too. Um, uh, in researching last week's game, at some point, um, I'm pretty sure I went through Devin Singletary's game log, and I'm pretty sure I think I saw like. He, he, that was his. Let's just be clear. I'm I'm going through it now. That was Devin Singletary's first 100 yard game this season. And I'll I'll, I'll I'll say this for Devin. Um, we don't we don't run the ball with him a lot. He doesn't get 30 carries a game. If he got 30 carries a game, I'm sure he would get more 100 yard games. But even even a a good a good running back should still have the potential to get 100 yards when you give them 22 carries, 23 carries, something like that. Uh, last year. 100 yard game again started pretty much pretty much every game for the bills last year and two years ago no 100 yard games um again high of 18 carries that year and then his rookie season had a high of 21 carries for 106 yards um 20 carries 95 yards again not not exactly lining on james cook as a reminder uh, a rookie this season and this is his first uh Again, we can't call it a 100-yard game because he's not technically getting 100 yards rushing. He did have 109 total yards with the reception. But I think it's very clear that he is the more explosive, has the bigger chance to you know, get chunk plays out of the run game, much more so than Devin, who you know, for all of his kind of good qualities, which I guess there are some, like that is not one of them. And that is not, that is not something that gets the defense thinking about the run game. It is more like... Hey, if Devin Singletary is going to eat us up four years at a time, we will live with that when you're dealing with Josh Allen and the rest of offense. But if James Cook is eating you up 10 yards at a time, then you, you're going to lose that game. Like that's you're, you're going to lose that game. So I, I think, um, again, credit to the offensive line as well, but, but good credit to James Cook and to Devin for continuing to, to, to do what is asked of him um, to the best of his abilities. It, it is kind of funny to interject that J- Devin Singletary has started 55 of his 60 career games and has gotten 20 carries five times in those 55 <laughs> games like the bills just do not like to run and to his credit three of those were 100 yard games and the lowest was like 86 yards so interesting and to be fair also how much of this is chicken and egg if yeah. devin singletary was better would he get more than 20 carries yep. a game? right there's certainly i think this year was a year where they were they were looking to run the ball more without allen and they found out pretty quickly it wasn't going to work so <laughs> yeah not, not, not in the way that James Cook can, can do can do for us for for the team. Hopefully, going forward, um, should should Devin uh, no longer be with the team in the future years, which is, is, might be a thing. Um, first star goes to Matt Milano, as we said. 
um, with the pass deflection, six tackles, but again, just kind of leading the overall defense, um, you know, keeping, keeping fields in check, keeping, you know, after the first drive, kind of keeping the bears run game in check, um, dealing with Cole Kmet, who's a, a tight end, who's not a nobody, I guess, not, not, um, a terrible tight end, I guess I would say. Um, but certainly, um, wasn't able to, uh, the bears weren't able to get going on offense and, and credit to the bills defense, especially. Early. So those are your three stars. Very good. It's nice to have three stars back, uh, like every week. Uh, that's the AFC East, by the way. The Buffalo Bills won their football game, which, of course, puts the rest of the division out of the uh, possibility of winning it. So they've clinched their third in a row, much to the dissatisfaction of Josh Allen, who is, I believe, quoted as saying he's getting a little sick of these hats. Um, <laughs> but he was happy to have done it. And, of course, to go and do it on the road in the midst of yet another weather-related disruption um, is also is also good. I was thinking about this with regards to the, the, the clinch. I know that with the talent on the team, you're not really supposed to vote for McDermott for coach of the year. But I think if you were going to make a coach of the year um, vote for him, they would need to win the, the one seed, I think. But then you would point to all the disruptions that the Bills in particular had as compared to other teams, and they still sort of put this together, specifically yeah. with regards to injuries and, and the weather and uh, playing, you know, three games in 12 days and, like, the whole the whole thing. Um, so I think that there's a there's room for him to get, get votes there, and, and that, that sort of attaches Oops, itself. We to lost Frank. Things. Oh, you lost me. Hello. Yeah, I was wondering if that was just me again. Um, all right. But yes, we we agree, Frank. While Frank gets his mic issue uh, fixed, I'll know one interesting point. On the Coach of the Year thing, they released the odds-on favorites in the top five for Coach of the Year. And uh, Brian Dable is among those for Coach of the Year, and Sean McDermott is not. And I love Brian Dable, but man, yeah, I think Sean McDermott should be in there. Hopefully Frank's mic is now fixed, and I'll shut up. Is my, is my microphone fixed? Boy, you sound perfect now. Man, That's well, amazing. I'm not going to say anything wrong then. <laughs> okay good i've lost the agenda paul um sure. so you guys were t i'm sure talking about the afc east uh clinching um they didn't yeah, even we, we can go to the playoff possibilities which is next and i'll re uh i can repaste in the agenda while okay cool yeah because that's something i tweeted and have all up Oop, in there the, goes frank's the... mic again i'll just jump right in on the playoff possibilities oh, here so Christ. yeah i encourage everyone to frank had tweeted out the uh in detail playoff possibilities for the afc east because uh, every team is still alive, even though the Bills are going to win the division this year. So, you know, that's, you know, that's, in fact, not only are they alive, one of the three is bound to make in the last spot. The Chargers clinched this week. It is going to be interesting because we've been discussing internally, the three of us, if the Bills get a, a two seed, which is certainly plausible, um, you know, not as likely as a one or a three, but it could happen, uh, you're going to end up facing either a Pats team that you're expected to be probably three times in a season or a Miami team and a Jets team or a Jets team that's giving you a really hard time barring the crazy ass scenario where the Steelers sneak in. So that was really, I think on the AFC side, what interests me most is how things are kind of shaping up toward the bottom and also whether the Jaguars end up in ahead of Tennessee because I'd rather face Tennessee, to be frank, just because I know that we can, you know, the Bills can readily beat Tennessee. We've seen that before, uh, and that would be a plausible first-round matchup because the Bills, if they get the one seed, would face the worst team remaining. 
So I'm kind of subtly rooting, I think, for Tennessee just because they are more of a known quantity than than the Jaguars are going through. And in the AFC, if the for the AFC East team makes it the bottom, I guess I would have to root for the Patriots to kind of sneak in there just because I think they – I know it's a, it sounds hideous to say that, Frank, but I absolutely have to say it. I'm glad you can hear uh, me because, sighing. I'm sorry about the yes. disruptions here. <laughs> no, no, that's that's okay. So – yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's my that's my take on the the NFC. I don't really care about right now. We'll talk more about the NFC once they're you know a little closer to it. But the AFC is is definitely more of our attention. Yeah, one hundred percent. I'm assuming. Uh, sorry, Scott. Why, I, I just wanted to clarify what we were talking about was you were sort of talking about the possibilities and what you were hopeful with regards to uh, who would make it and who wouldn't. Is that what Scott's going to now comment on? Okay. <laughs> I just, I was a little lost. I wanted to make sure I knew where I was. Yes. No, that's fine. Yes. Yes. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, I think Paul is correct in Tennessee. I think um, for me, the uh, the other thing is Tannehill now supposedly, you know, maybe injured for the rest of the season, um, you know, might possibly make it back to the playoffs, but it's not really clear that that's going to happen. So now even, even more so playing a team with its backup quarterback and not one that's going to have a ton of time to prep either with, you know, obviously two weeks isn't nothing, but certainly not a season's worth of, of backup time um, that they've been able to kind of figure out his, his I don't know who the backup is. But is it Willis? I'm no, it's another it. guy. They just, uh, Dobbs, I think his name is. They just announced it today. I'd never uh, heard of him. Josh Dobbs? Sure. Let's Maybe go with Josh. Former, I, I... former Tennessee volunteer, actually. I believe. Um, so, uh, yeah, Tennessee is obviously kind of the, the, the weak the weak uh the weak deer in the herd i guess if you were looking to pick one off um jacksonville obviously playing like a, a house on fire right now and, and trevor lawrence is someone who has at least the, the top end talent and has been playing better um you know scarily better in the last couple of weeks so um, yeah you don't really want to face that that hot of a team especially if they they get past a, a first round game um, anyway or if the bills end up in the second um right and then other than that yeah i think the Jets and the the Jets scare me. I think the Dolphins. The only reason why I might pick the Dolphins is I think I think as much as the Dolphins would love to to get another crack at us, I, I just feel confident beating them. And the Patriots, yeah, like we we've we've obviously you know torched them in the playoffs last year, and I believe that was another that was a you know beating a team in the third third time in the in the season kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that still concerns me a little bit in terms of beating you know how do you how do you beat the same team three times because you kind of have to know them pretty well um but i think i think that's the only bit of the patriots game that gives me a little pause um, but they are probably the least talented of the, of the three teams or at least the least playing the least well um, and frankly the least coached at this point in terms of the yeah. sloppiness and the errors that are happening um pretty much all over and you know mac jones out there you know kneecapping people i don't <laughs> want him anywhere near my team at this point he's going to be trying to injure guys, you know, he's going to be sneaking up on people with lead pipes on the sideline. So I don't, I don't really want uh, Mac Jones uh, in my team. So maybe I'll, I'll switch my answer. So yeah, it improves my answer to the Dolphins. You know, he is sort of uh, adopting the Bobby Heenan. Um, if you're not <laughs> cheating, you're not trying, uh, you know, kind of uh, mentality. Or was that the body? Was that just the body? And then one, then the other one said, it's not cheating unless you get caught. Um, but <laughs> I, I'm glad you I forgot this up which one said it. I thought you were going to go with the managerial aspect and be like, well, it's more like the doctor of style slick hitting people with his cane. 
Um, yeah. You know, he's not even like, but he's not even cool about it. I liked Slick no. Rick and, and Mr. Fuji. He's just like a slime ball. Yeah, with Mr. Like those... Fuji. Yeah. Yeah. Miss Jimmy Hart with his megaphone. Bobby Heenan was more, I will try and grab your ankles. Like he did the ultimate word to give rude the title. Uh, <laughs> right. Way he, back when. He'll play them. He'll play the mind games with you. You know, yes. that's, that's Bobby. That's anyway, why he's the uh, brain. I, yeah. That's right. Um, while I, while it's good that you brought these up because I went into deep diving uh, with regards to some of these playoff scenarios. I'm happy to report that whatever the Titans or Jaguars do this week, it's an all or nothing game in week 17 for the division and the last spot. Um, even though it's not the last spot, it is in fact the last kind of spot. It's going to be decided then. So you don't have to pay attention to anything this week with regards to the Titans and Jaguars. Um, it does look like Dobbs, Joshua Dobbs over Malik Willis will be the person. And Tannehill is on IR, which means he could come back for the AFC championship game, technically, as the earliest. So um, good luck with that. The Bills one seed, they go 2-0, and that works. If they go 1-1 one and one, and the Bengals and Chiefs also each lose at least one game, um, which means if they beat the Bengals then you would just need the Chiefs to lose. But if they lose to the Bengals and then beat the Patriots, as long as the Bengals and Chiefs also lose a game, that works. They go 0-2 and the Chiefs also go 0-2. And then the Ravens beat the Steelers and the Bengals. You need the Ravens to beat the Steelers because you need the Bengals to fall to a wild card um, in order to um, to maintain the, the one seed over the Bengals. So obviously there, the easiest answer is to beat, you know, just beat the, the Bengals the first time. Um with regards to yeah. the with regards to the the last spot in the east um i went through all of this on twitter if you find mny bills uh you'll find that account retweeting my account farm 101 um where they uh i went through all the possibilities the short answer is if any of these teams win the last two their last two games they're the one in we can say that with confidence because the dolphins and the patriots and I think the Jets all at some different time play each other. Um, so yes. they, they can't. Well, not the all... Jets and Patriots, but yes, the other, you're the right. Jets the Jets play others, Miami. Yeah. The point is they, they can't, only one of those teams can win two games. Yes. By virtue of that, the other teams can't. Um, you know, if the Jets lose to Seattle, that I think this is, I'll, I'll try and make it quick. If the Jets lose to Seattle, they're they're out. They need to win both games and have New England lose to Buffalo or Miami, um, or both. New England needs to beat Miami to get in. Then they can either beat Buffalo or the Jets, lose to Seattle, but Miami, and then makes this a three-way eight and nine tie. And then the Dolphins, here, the reason I looked into all this is because Tua Tagovailoa is now out this week. It's going to be Teddy Bridgewater in a critical game against the Patriots. And really, the Dolphins just kind of need to, to, to get that game, and then they're probably in, like almost certainly in. But that game is now in doubt and all three of these teams can make it. And that's why what got me freaked out about the jets, because I think I agree with Scott, like that. They're like, I feel like they're the most annoying team. I think they're the team that actually has a legitimate side of the football, um, which is their defense. And it, uh, I, I won't go so far as to say they scare me, but I think it's pretty clear that the bills offense struggles against the jets defense as a lot of teams do. It's a good defense. Um, and you're sort of, it's more of a coin flip. I, I believe less in the, the Dolphins offense than I do the Jets defense, which I said, think I said before. So I tend to agree that um, the, uh, I, I probably would want the Dolphins in there. Um, but 
you know, if you get the first seed, then I think you're 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 good. To die. You can think a lot less about this because you won't be playing any of those teams in the first week. Uh, you might play them in the second week, but if you are, it's because the Chiefs or the Bengals lost, um, or possibly the Titans. But I don't think so because I'm pretty sure the Titans will be playing. Um, they'll they'll be playing the uh, a different winner. They'll be playing the not the Bengals or the Chiefs. Um, whoever the other leftover team is. Yeah, yeah. Um, let, the, let the Bengals and Chiefs take care of each other in that second round. Don't even worry about them if you can. Right, <laughs> right. You, yeah, you can let them play each other, and then if you if you're lucky enough to play a six or seven seed, there you go. Um, but alas, uh, that is all stuff for a different week. Uh, not not today. Uh, all right. What's next on the agenda? It is injuries, uh, which Paul has thankfully and appreciated as I'm squinting at my phone here. Uh, Jordan Poyer did not practice with a knee injury, but that's the same knee thing that he's had for weeks now. I think that he's just on the on the on the rest, rest, rest play. Um, Stefan Diggs has an illness and didn't practice. Uh, I will, as the internet has pointed out, Stefan Diggs also had to experiment with cooking for himself this week, and he said he hated it and was terrible at it. And so we all hope that he did not give himself food poisoning. Um, and uh right. or or that it's the other the the covid illness because they didn't specify non-covid illness this time so that always gets okay. me I, uh my, my mind right. curious taiwan jones has a hamstring he didn't practice uh matt milano was limited with his knee injury as was dawson knox with a hip injury uh jordan phillips practiced on a limited basis with a shoulder injury and boogie basham returns to a limited basis with a calf injury uh the the better news at the finishes up here with uh, Mitch Morse uh, with the concussion. Uh, he has been cleared and practiced fully. He is uh, likely to play, I would have guessed. Josh Allen was a full participant despite an elbow injury. Cam Lewis, a full participant despite a forearm injury. And not listed here is um, Christian Benford, whose 21 day active window was activated, which means he was designated to practice. And I believe he did so today, which means he could be back for the playoffs. Um, he could be back this week, technically, but um, which means that they have him in line for making a return um, basically when the playoffs start. And as we all know, corner depth is a nice thing to have, uh, especially when you're going to start playing the pass heavy teams. So um, on the whole, an optimistic report, um, I'd like to take a minute to just, you know what, it's not in the agenda, but just to sort of like make mention, we haven't talked about it, but like. This was a deadly snowstorm in yeah. Buffalo this past week. Thirty, I think it's 37 or 36 people have been found dead now um, in cars and trying to walk a block or two to buy some milk. And it was a real strain. I, I understand it from the view of the, the, the Bills a little bit because they couldn't, they flew out early. They had to stay late. They couldn't fly to Buffalo. They flew to Rochester. They had to then bus home and then try and drive home, um, which they really weren't supposed to be driving, um, but they were allowed, I think, to drive home from the stadium. And then, uh, you know, today they had managed to get just enough snow off of one practice field so that they could have a practice outdoors. And that's, of course, like small potatoes compared to the actual devastating damage that this that this storm did. It's a it's a. You know, it's the easily the biggest one since 1977, and or, or at least most damaging, and um, it's scary. And if you're one of our listeners that's in the Buffalo area, we're really hopeful that you came through okay and things are well. 
Um, none of us there live there anymore. I know Paul's parents live in the area. My yep. parents don't live too. My parents got plenty of snow, but they they don't live in Buffalo or that that area. They live kind of at the edge of that storm, um, and it's scary. And we're cognizant of it. And I don't know that there's much else to say, but I wanted to say that and give you guys an opportunity to say something about it if if you are moved to do so. Yeah, I mean, I, I can jump in quickly. My, my parents were in the, the hardest hit area, unfortunately, but fortunately they had plenty of food and, and water. They were able to uh, get through fine. They have their health. Most of my friends have marked themselves safe. Some did go without power for several days or their parents went without power for several days. It is crazy when a snowstorm catches buffalo uh, like this, and I'm sure there are ways in which they can be better prepared, and we won't go into that. But normally a snowstorm does not cause this much destruction, but this is one unlike I'd seen in my lifetime, and that includes in, uh, what was it, Thanksgiving of 2000 and then Christmas 2001 were both brutal times uh, with snowstorms. So they really got hit. Uh, obviously feel terrible for the people that, that lost their their lives uh, on this. The, the good news is storms like this are usually once a season. Uh, you hope from, of course, the Bills perspective, you hope it doesn't hit again, but also more importantly for the area's perspective, for the neighborhood's perspective. Um, this will hopefully be it. And, you know, you navigate what will, God willing, be the worst storm of your life. So, yeah, crazy, crazy thing that happened there. I, I... I have, I have nothing to add other than yes, I hope uh, I hope they take the season. Everybody else stays safe. Everyone can get their lives back for the most part. Awesome. Okay, so uh, that and then um, what else? What's next? Uh, oh, we have the listener we questions. We need. Okay, thank you. This is it's just harder on my phone. I'm sorry. Even with my big yeah, no, no, it's phone a, that you guys you, are seeing. Yeah, why don't I read El Super's <laughs> question because this is a good okay. one to to analyze. Which is, if Bills lose the one seed. Uh, what one play or what one player is most to blame the season's losses. However, you can't just answer this straight and draw an analogy to an obscure event in ancient history or alchemy. So this is a thinking man's question. Come on, man. Uh, Okay. Um, This is, this is, this is the, this is the, this is the trap that we've laid for ourselves. Yes, yes right. people listening to we try and be witty, podcast, show off our knowledge of, of history, show off our knowledge of, of medieval times in general, and now we get questions where it's like shit. Now we actually have to figure this one out. Mm. So the losses are the Jets, the the Jets game, the Dolphins game, in the Vikings game. I suppose you could pick a game in which they won, but I think that's harder to sort of draw a line between that and missing the one seed. Um, uh, I right. would go back to, well, I'm ready now. I'm going to go back go to ancient Rome, uh, versus the Carpathians, uh, which is a real pl- thing. Um, and, uh, it was, uh, uh, Vigo and, uh, Vigo of course was, uh, repelling the Norse, uh, at the time. It's a very complicated war. You probably don't remember it El super. Uh, but the Norse raiders, the Viking raiders of the Norse had invaded Rome from the North. And Carpathia had summoned zombies to attack from the underneath the ground and grab people's ankles. And of course, um, uh, Vigo the Carpathian from Ghostbusters 2, uh, all he had to do, this is why he's so hated, uh, is all he had to do was receive the urn of the damned 
and carry it one foot forward and he would have been able to place it on the um the pedestal which would have ended the viking raid um but instead there was a mishandling of the urn at the most treacherous point of the battlefield um and instead the war lasted an extra seven minutes and the the zombies of course as you know and the vikings defeated rome uh and carpathia and then yeah so i would say josh allen's uh fumble on the goal line see scott and i both jumping in ready for the the next one here <laughs> i would i would have to yeah i'm gonna go with uh same game uh different play there was um and damn it wikipedia for not having better descriptions of these things uh you know an instance back in the uh mediterranean days we're gonna go way back to i would say the viking age at this point which is um you know around the 1600s ish or so uh actually between the 793 and 1066 i'm sorry uh battle of hastings yes of course yes of course um so yeah, they they had a battle with uh, Frisia. Uh, the the Vikings did some raids in the Rhineland. However, these raids ended up being unsuccessful because all they had to do was prevent two of the uh, ships under Frankish control from meeting up and exchanging the necessary supply. Uh, they knew it was happening. All they had to do was. Um, you know, get one ship in between, one large Viking ship would have completely disrupted the exchange. Instead, um, the uh, little known uh, Viking, they sent out one guy in a rowboat, uh, one Viking in a rowboat. Uh, mm-hmm. His name was uh, the Duke of Kamloops, uh, who was yeah. unable to break up the exchange uh, between a gentleman named Jefferson and his cousins, uh, you know, and that resulted in the exchange happening. And some some crazy stuff happened after that. So as we can see in war, you know the 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 safe exchange of goods and services very important to survival. Yes. We now turn to our war expert, Scott. <laughs> Scott, are you there? Yes. It says it's recording. It's recording, it but does. we seem to have lost yes. Scott. Scott, if you are speaking, we cannot hear you, in which case you should leave and rejoin. Um, and, no, mute. He's yeah, he's not on mute, but it, we can't hear him. Now, he just pressed, you tried to mute and unmute himself. Okay, he's going to come back. And, uh, yeah, no, it's... Yeah, in the meantime, just... I'll read one comment uh, that we have, yes. which was Brian noting, I don't mind the play bad, but keep winning streak around, but that's unlikely to be enough versus Cincy. I would agree with that. wonder if they can really turn up the dial to beat another really talented, albeit flawed, team. Uh, I would hope they could. They did it against Kansas City. Uh, they're on a six-game streak, and it's not like every team's been really bad in that streak. Um, positive I take is that every game feels like a knockout playoff game. Yeah, it should be exciting. Uh, this is going to feel the most playoff fish of all games, Brian. So we're looking forward to it. I, I just, you know, I, I wonder if we're going to look back at this season and be like, they were actually really good again. Yeah. I, they, they, I mean, they're 12 they and three a, with two games to go. They have a plus 157. I mean, there's, they're, they're the biggest point differential. They're one of the highest scoring offenses 
in the league, it's Kansas City's ahead of them, and who else? Kansas City and Philly. Those are the two teams that have scored more points. They they give up less points than anybody? I don't know. Scott, did you have a historical thing? Are you back? Oh, no. Damn it. Damn it's back, but he's not back. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's my echo. You have to check your volume, Scott. Let me see if I can do anything here. He's Scott's, right. Scott's left us for the moment, but hopefully he'll be back again in this time in full audio experience. This is Boy, this is course. the way to go out for the year, isn't it? I feel yeah, like this no. is just the Let's hope that the Bills have right. a yeah, have nothing like this with regards to their. Yep. Oh, now I'm the only one here. That's weird. All right. Well, hello, everyone. So <laughs> here we are. Maybe next year I am, I am here. Scott is also here. Uh, I don't know if we'll be able to hear him. We've also now temporarily lost Frank. Why the fuck not? Why the fuck not? Last podcast of the year to just have everything possible in the world goes sideways. And yeah, now I'm back again. There's, now here's Frank. Uh, so Scott happened. left too, Frank. So I was, uh, yeah, I was just left vamping there yourself. for a little bit. All right, we're going to have to go ahead and start this day in Bill's headlines. Because uh, yeah. I don't know what's happening today with the recording. And let's just hope that the Bills have better <laughs> football playing operations than we have recording operations because – this has gone to shit. And uh Yeah. Season ten, guys. Season ten. Yeah. It was it's not been the, the we've had worse audio luck this season. All right. Well, we're gonna go for this day in Bill's headlines. We'll keep an eye on our phones to see if Scott texts us anything. Uh mm -hmm. and yeah, Frank, some of these will be easy, but uh good, good luck because you're largely yourself. on your own on this. Yep. Yep. All right, here we go. So uh twenty 19, we're going to be yes, at the first headline. Today is December 29th. Controversial blank ended up as Jets godsend. This is a New York Post headline. The Jets named safety Jamal Adam the team's most valuable player on Friday. If there were a most valuable coach award given by the Jets, which there is not, there's no question who would receive the recognition. Uh, the Jets, 6-9 and nine, and disappointingly out of the playoffs for the ninth consecutive season, and her Sunday's finale against the Bills at New Airfield ranked seventh in the NFL in overall defense, including second against the run. Controversial so, blank. Yes, controversial blank ended up as Jets godsend, and we can figure out pretty much it's a coach by this. Yes, and it would probably be a coach with Bills ties. So Indeed I'm going to say Greg Williams because he was controversial during the New Orleans thing. And you would be 100% correct that it All is. Right. Uh, Greg Williams. Uh, All right, Scott. So I can see Scott's face, and can I hear him? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. All right. Yeah. There was a moment there, Scott, where Paul was by himself, and it was not good. <laughs> <laughs> so we were on the we're on this day in Bill's headlines. I got the first one, Greg Williams, and now, um, let's go. Let's press on. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Uh, headline number two, 2018, blank. Announces retirement from Buffalo Bills. Blank said the decision came down to one simple thing, spending more time with his family. His oldest daughter is 12, and he made a point. He has cumulatively spent one year of her life just in training camp at St. John Fisher College, so it was time to be a dad. 
Kyle Williams? Kyle Williams is correct. So if you answered Williams to the first two questions, uh, you've been right, but that streak will end here. Although Jonathan Williams could be an answer to this next question, but it is not. Um, 2016, blank has one game to avoid historic mark of futility. Bill's running back blank is in jeopardy of becoming the first non-quarterback since the AFL-NFL merger to finish a season with negative rushing yards on double-digit carries. With one game to go, Blank's stat line reads 12 rushing attempts for negative three yards. And the spoiler is that he did, in fact, accomplish this feat because they did not hand him the ball during the last game. You guys are thinking about Bill's backup backs from 2016. I'll note it's tough. Uh, Blank's Carlos Williams. No, but Carlos got- Williams got... That was Frank, and I would say Carlos oh, Williams, but he got yards, so I, I, it's right, not him. Right, he did. And this is, our again, our first non-Williams answer. All right. Here's one that will help, I think. Still, Blank's rate of futility would be historic. It's also incredible considering he was one of the best players in college football history and a second overall draft pick. Obviously not by the Bills, who have never picked a running back yeah. that high, not named O.J. Simpson. Yeah, I. Mm. I will give. This is the hint that we'll give it away now because I left out part of the headline, which is or not the headline, but part of the first sentence, which is actually Bill's running back and former Heisman Trophy winner blank. Reggie Bush. Reggie Bush. That's right. He was a Bill. He was, and uh, yeah, I remember the Bills won the league rushing title that year. They had more rushing yards than any other team, and Reggie Bush was in the photo, and they posted on Twitter, and he just got dragged. It's like, you know, put me in that photo because I had more rushing yards than Reggie Bush. Um, All right, 2014, blank addresses tension between Marone, Doug Whaley, and future of Buffalo Bills. As you know, Every day is not perfect when it comes to decision-making, but they're incredible collaborators. They work together on everything. There hasn't been a roster move in the time that Doug Whaley has been the GM, that he hasn't worked hand-in-hand with Coach. So I don't know where that comes from. I know there was that report in the beginning of the year, and I don't know if that's the residue of that. And yeah, there was some tension relative to some last-minute roster moves. I think it was because we were at camp for six weeks and we are all effing tired of each other. Sounds like Russ Brandon. It is Russ Brandon. Wow. Scott knows his Russ Brandon uh, quotation marks. So, or quotations. All right. Good. Now we got to go back all the way to 2006. Bill's rookie safety blank learning on the run. I came in here with a chip on my shoulder that I should have been picked much higher. The South Carolina native said in practice, said after practice Thursday, is the seven and eight Bills prepared for their season finale at Baltimore this weekend. I was disappointed that I went in the fourth round. Co Simpson? What was that, Scott? Co Simpson? It is Co Simpson. He is worth millions, nice. according to him, when he was being arrested that one time. All right. <laughs> 2005, Blank signs extension. Blank was coming to the end of a three year contract he signed as a rookie. He would have been a restricted rights-free agent in March, meaning the Bills could have locked him up for 2006 with a minimum offer of about $700,000. Now he is locked up with a multi-year contract. In his third year, the six-foot-one, 235-pound blank stepped into the starting rotation nicely after fellow linebacker Takeo Spikes went down with a ruptured right Achilles tendon. The injury caused Spikes to miss the rest of the season. 
is a London Fletcher Baker, 2003 pick out of University of Virginia. London Fletcher Baker, Angelo Crowell. Angelo Crowell. Boy, Scott now is nice. Scott. Scott, he took that opportunity uh, to rest when his mic wasn't working and really regenerate his his uh, classic Bills brain here. All right, Uh, 2000 blank earned second interview for Bills GM job. Well, Wilson could grant interviews this weekend to other candidates for the GM job made vacant by the firing of John Butler last week. It was learned Wilson's meeting with the highly regarded blank in West Palm Beach on Wednesday went well enough to just about convince the 82-year-old owner to look no further. Uh, Tom Donahoe? Tom Donahoe is correct. All right. Great. 1996. Jaguar shock bills 30-27. to AFC. Yep, this was the end. This is Jim Kelly's last game. Uh, The ball came off the foot of Jacksonville place kicker Blank, floated through the slate gray sky, struck the fluorescent yellow right goalpost, and went left through the uprights, through the hearts of the Buffalo Bills. A week ago, the Jags made the NFL playoffs in their second season because Atlanta's usually reliable place kicker Morton Anderson missed a chip shot. This time, Blank's 45-yard bank shot with 3.07 left gave the Jaguars their first playoff victory, 30-27, and sent the veteran Bills into the offseason of reflection and rebuilding. Well, they would have a Bills tie because if that's the blank. Yep. Mm-hmm. Was this, um, had yep. Steve Christie moved on? Let's go with Steve Christie. Uh, yeah, not Steve. He was still with the Bills at this point. Okay. I will say this is a player whose NFL career consisted of eight seasons, the first seven with Jacksonville, and the last one in 2002 with Buffalo where to me, uh, most number anyway, he kicked his career-long field goal, a 54-yarder as time expired in Minnesota to send the game to OT, where the Bills won on a Bledsoe-to-Price walk-off TD. And I remember it was his career-long because they were saying this is an older kicker. It was his last NFL season. They were saying him out there for one he'd never kicked that long before, even though it was in a dome. And he literally doinked it off the crossbar and then up <laughs> and over. Uh mm. And then interesting tidbit I found out when doing the research after being retired from the NFL for 20 years, Blank joined the Jacksonville Sharks in the National Arena League in 2022. So he is an active professional place kicker right now. Wow. You can, um, you are going to tell me the name and I'm going to know it, but I'm, I'm not going to be able, I'm not going to be able right. to pull it out here. All right. I will give the answer unless Scott has a guess, which I presume we know. Uh, it is it is uh it is Mike Hollis, if you remember that name. So one year with it's the Bills. Christmas time in Hollis, Queens. That's right. Yep. All right. Winding down here. Uh two headlines, one from nineteen ninety-five and one from nineteen ninety-one. They were too easy on their own, so I've merged them. So in these years, the headlines were touting a Bill who won Defensive Player of the Year, which was in nineteen ninety-five, mm-hmm. and a Bill who'd won MVP, which was in nineteen ninety-one. Can you can you name these bills? The bill who won MVP in 1991 is Thurman Thomas. That is correct. So and what was the other? The 1995 Defensive Player, Player of the Year. That would be Bryce Pop. It would be Bryce Pop. All yes. right. There okay. we go. All right. Last one. 1986. This is from uh, the headline. Just says UPI's New York uh, UPI's Football Bowl Notebook. Penn State linebacker Shane Conlon hails from upstate New York, but he's not thrilled with the idea of returning home to play professional football. Remember, the Bills were 2-14 in 1986. Uh, The Buffalo Bills have shown an interest in Conlon from nearby Frewsburg, New York. 
the All-America linebacker would rather go elsewhere. They told me, we're going to try to get Alabama's blank, but if we don't, we're going to get you, Common said. I told them I hope they got blank. Oh. First of all, why would you say that to somebody? I mean. Yeah. <laughs> it's 1986. Kids were, kids were dumb. You, know. you just leave it at like we're high. You're high on the list. Okay, is yeah. is the Alabama player also a linebacker? It is also a linebacker. And they didn't get him. They did not get him. But he ends asterisk. up playing for the Bills. Yes. But he ends he up playing for the Bills. Okay. Yes. So. Uh, Daryl Talley went to West Virginia. Mm-hmm. I mean, Cornelius maybe one of you guys Benny? said this guy already, and I missed it because it's it is one Andrew. that I think you'd get. Okay, it's not it's it's not Bennett because Bennett was Georgia. It is it is Bennett. It was oh, Alabama's okay. Cornelius Bennett Biscuit. So yeah, the Bills would draft Bennett would be gone. The Bills would draft Conlon. Then one year later, the Bills would. Harbor a three-team trade involving Eric Dickerson and a bunch of draft pieces and Greg Bell That's right. would get Cornelius Bennett. So then uh, Bennett and Conlon would line up side by side for a number of seasons together as, as Pro Bowl linebackers for the Bills. And I think in the end, uh, when I met him in a sock store in 1990, that Shane Conlon was very happy the Bills drafted him because they were a good team by then. So yeah, uh, uh, when I met him at Wegmans, I felt the same way. He was. It seemed to be a genuinely good, friendly guy. But obviously, he's saying, "Oh God, a two and fourteen team. This will be a disaster." But he did not know of the legend of Bill Polian at that point. So, yeah, that was uh, this day in Bills headlines for uh, December 29th. The Buffalo Bills are currently favored very, very slightly on the road against the Cincinnati Bengals. I've seen one and a half. Right now, I am seeing one point, and this is the. Yep. It's the first or this like it's like one of the very few times where both teams have 11 wins and there are people saying this might be one of the biggest Monday night football games uh, implication and record wise that I've ever played in the history of Monday night football. And so I would like to turn to Scott, who's who's been muted unfairly for quite a while (laughs) and see what his thoughts are on this Bills and Bengals game. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's, uh, it's going to be an exciting one. I'm sorry. I probably will not be able to watch given it'll be on at one thirty in the morning here in the United Kingdom on a Tuesday morning. <laughs> um, so, uh, I will, I'll be sure to check out the, the highlights as soon as I can. Um, I like the bills. Um, I think this is a big game. I feel like we get up for big games. Um, we're not going to have, I think, Oh, did you just lose Scott? Yeah, yeah, I just lost Scott. All right, Scott. Scott, we can't hear you. Uh, we know that you picked the Bills, I'll... and it's based on them yep. being a big game. We've definitely had some audio issues today, and we don't have time to re-record here. So if, if Scott comes back and has thoughts, we'll give it. How about I tell you right now, Paul, that the Buffalo yes. Bills outrush the Cincinnati Bengals, and Devin Singletary not only has more yards on fewer carries than Joe Mixon, um, he, so, but he, that would mathematically show that he also, in fact, um, has more yards per uh, average, yards per attempt than him as yes, well. Yes, more yards on fewer uh, you know. carries, yes. 
Right. Um, and and so the top two running backs, you know, the top three rushers are at about 1,200 yards rushing for the Bengals. That includes Joe Burrow, Samari uh, Perrin, and Joe Mixon. Meanwhile, the Bills have 1,400 with just Allen and and Devin, uh, and Cook adds another 462 yards. Um, So, I mean, they're, they're a bigger rushing team than the Bengals. That's an important thing, I think. Uh, that could help them with regards to playing the Bengals. What do you? What, what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I, I would agree with. Uh, you know, that is kind of crazy. The the Bengals last year kind of gave up on the running toward the end of the season. That seemed to help because now Joe Burrow was. Uh, they let him kind of unleash it, and it worked out very well. He was still getting hit all the time, but he's a young quarterback and can deal with being hit. I do think the Bills will take advantage of having a bit better run game. I think that's an edge where they have over the chiefs who were able to compete with the Bengals, of course, but not actually then beat them at the end of the game. Uh, so I'm going to, going to pick the bills as well, knowing that uh, they probably are at worst, even in the passing game. And that's nothing against Joe Burrow. I think this is just going to be a slobber knocker to quote another WWE announcer uh, while we can, since we've talked about Jesse, the body and Bobby, the brain here. And I'm going to say the Bills just edge them out. I think this is going to be a, a great game. I think it's going to be 30 to 28 Buffalo. And Scott, Scott is back, and he, hopefully we can hear him. <laughs> yeah, Scott, if you want to try, we'll get your uh, yeah, final thoughts in. Okay. Um, the Yes, I, I think uh, it'll be a tight game. I like that. I don't like that the Bengals are missing their starting right tackle and then move their right guard over to replace that right tackle. Um, but that does make them weaker at two spots on the line. Um, I think that's an advantage to Buffalo. Um, so I think that, you know, combined with just a little bit, you know, the run game, I think a better defense than the Bengals have. Um, uh, much respect to my Bengals friend in the office, but I will also, yeah, as I said, pick the Bills. I like a little higher scoring game. I think something like 38-35, something like that. You know, I don't really have a good reason. I, I actually did a lot of um... – review for this game i looked at a lot of things and the the bills and Bengals, by all statistical categories are pretty much dead even they don't do it exactly the same way but they're pretty close to each other um with regards to a lot of the efficiency stats and stuff like that i think joe burrow is a great quarterback i think they're i think that they're gonna get their yards and their points um i think it is gonna have to be like a 35 to 30 game i like that what I, i have said to you guys and i'll say it again for the pod if either of these teams wins by 10, um, I wouldn't be surprised if the other team wins by 10 next time. It, it, and that obviously goes for if they win by one or two next time. Um, they're very evenly built. I think both of these teams are probably built better overall than the Kansas City Chiefs. I think the Kansas City Chiefs are just – I think the Kansas City Chiefs are, 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 are going to be the best offense in the history of football over the next – over the last couple of years and probably this year and maybe one or two more, um, you know, they, but they, their defense suffers in a way that the, the Bengals and the bills really sort of have a complementary style to use a great coaching term. Um, so I'm going to pick the bills, but I am fully cognizant and uh, reticent or uh, recognize that like the Bengals are a good football team. Uh, you can play a really good football game against the Bengals and they might still win. Um, and if that's the case, then Buffalo is going to have to kind of figure out what what's next. Um, obviously, they're in the playoffs and they should be in a top seed. Um, uh, but if they want that one seed and they have something really to play for, and they've done this a thousand times, and and I, I'm really hoping that that's on the that's on the vision board this week. You know, hosting hosting Kansas City 
uh, here in Buffalo or hosting Cincinnati in Buffalo or hosting the AFC Championship game in Buffalo. I think that that's what the hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers in Buffalo. Sorry, that would be amazing too. The Las Vegas, the surprising Las Vegas uh, Raiders in Buffalo. Um, uh, That would be great too. Uh, But uh, however it plays out, I think that you know this is a big game. They know it's a big game, Um, and let's hope they got all their hiccups out last week. They're they're certainly the team has done everything they can do. So let's see if they can keep doing it. Uh, we're going to get out of here because the recording is just fucking fucked on this on this episode, guys. <laughs> I'm really sorry, but it's a it's a fuck show, and I have no idea how this is even going to sound. Um, so thank you so much for listening. MNY Bills. Uh, until next time, my name is Frank. I'm Paul. And good night, everybody.